Have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I recently saw a health video he made and I was surprised. He's in his 80s and still seems to have his energy and health. He says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife made the same change and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and she has energy all day. Many of us do not include the fruits, vegetables, and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. You can watch it by going to mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. It may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. Hey everyone, we are now live on the Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm going to be joined later on today by a Southern Baptist pastor, Jeff Wright. He's going to make the case for conservatives to stay in the convention, and I want you to hear what he has to say. I'll probably ask some questions. I'm not going to be easy. I'm going to ask the hard questions. At least that's my plan. Um, we have some uh, folks lined up from Patreon who are going to weigh in, comment, uh, share their questions as well later in the podcast. But while I am waiting for uh, Jeff and um, he's uh, there, there was a little bit of miscommunication. I, I it was my fault. I uh, assume everyone's on Eastern time and that's just not the case, especially for some of you, most of you in the middle of the country. And uh, I just failed to uh, let him know the exact time. And so he's an hour off. And so anyway, he's coming on. But I, I wanted to start because I said we would start around 1135. Um, and it's a few minutes after that. Uh, a few announcements for you all uh, that I, I wanted to share anyway. Um, some some good things, some positive things, some encouraging things. We need that right now. There's no doubt with everything else that's happening uh, around us. But uh, TruthScript is coming along. Uh, the TruthScript website, which is the, it, it's really our answer to the Gospel Coalition, uh, I guess you could say. It's it's the kind of content that is shareable, digestible. Um, we have right now a featured article uh, about really in the theme of Father's Day uh, from Pastor Seth Brickley, The Courage of My Father Remembered. And then we, you can look back. There's a number of uh, different topics on different things. Um, we did even uh, address the Southern Baptists briefly. Uh, Mark Coppinger wrote a piece on manliness uh, about a week ago. Um, so anyway, there, there's a lot of good stuff there. And I want to let you also know about a conference we have coming up. Um, actually, this one we already just did, the Be Not Conform conference. That was over the weekend. But TruthStrip has a men's conference coming up. And we got a great lineup. Uh, it's uh, Tom Rush, who's a trustee at Southern Seminary, former military evangelist, pastor. Uh, we got Andrew uh, Rappaport, who's an evangelist. Uh, A.D. Robles, of course, is going to be there. Uh, Lance Nadahara, who is a culinary chef. He's actually won Chopped, the television show, twice. And uh, he is a Christian and probably one of the, the few Christians who's overt with his Christianity in the culinary industry. He's going to be sharing some very positive things about what he, how he's seen the Lord move um, on the Culinary Institute uh, of America. And then uh, my father uh, and Pastor Scott Harris is going to be there as well. You can go to truthscript.com forward slash conferences. And uh, if you click on that, it's going to give you the link 
to uh, signing up and, and all of that. It, it's a steal, guys. It's it's we got the price down to as low as we can possibly make it. Uh, it it's really for at cost. We're not really uh, doing anything extra. So uh, putting any, anything extra in there. So uh, it's we, we just want you to come. And, and if people want to donate to it, um, we should have, I think, within the next day that that option available at TruthScript to donate if you want to expand what we're doing. Also want to let you know about this. This is equipping the persecuted. I mentioned it on the podcast before. In fact, I had an email yesterday or the day before about another terrorist attack in Nigeria. And um, it's just so sad to me. Uh, to uh, hear what's happening to our brothers and sisters in Nigeria. But there is an organization, and they're really the only ones that, uh, as far as I'm aware, are doing this kind of thing in Nigeria. That is equipping the persecuted. They are giving, uh, they are meeting the humanitarian, as we often categorize it, needs, uh, such as food, water, shelter, clothing. Uh, they just built an orphanage. Um, it's definitely needed. Uh, and, and this is for brothers and sisters in Christ. But of course, they are also sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, even correcting some of the theology uh, in Nigeria. There's a lot of prosperity gospel type of theology that's um, being pushed out there. And so uh, the guys at Equipping the Persecuted are also trying to give helpful corrections to those kinds of things. Uh, but they're giving like uh, they're, they're offering tactical gear in the, in the sense of like walkie talkies and body armor and and just things that can um, help. Uh, training that, that can help prevent uh, or at least minimize the damage of these attacks. So um, this is an organization, if you're a, especially in the light of the Southern Baptist Convention and, and many of you who are leaving or who have left and maybe you're not giving to the North American Mission Board or the IMB anymore, uh, maybe an organization like Equipping the Persecuted is an organization to consider uh, giving to. So wanted to plug them uh, as well. Um, well, we have uh, Jeff right now. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Um, I'm sorry about the mix-up. I uh, just assume everyone's on Eastern time, and that's that's my bad. Most of our listeners are probably in the middle of the country. So where are you coming from? Uh, uh, what state? And then and tell, me, uh, tell us all a little bit about yourself. I know you're a pastor. What uh, capacity are you uh, involved in the Southern Baptist Convention? Okay, well, to start off with, actually, I think that's my fault. I'm the one who asked, and with my own podcasts, I always think you got to talk time zone. But when I asked, I didn't think so. I, that's on me. Um, I appreciate you doing that. I'm in Tennessee, right in the middle of the state. Um, I live backed up to a family farm. We uh, we have dairy and uh, beef cattle. I've been pastoring senior, you know, what they would call senior pastor for uh, 17 years now, and did youth ministry for five before that. Uh, my involvement in the SBC is as a uh, former true believer who became dissident and who wants to see this thing either recovered or profitably closed so it doesn't become, um, I mean, a version, and I'll, I'll elaborate on this later if you'll allow me, but it doesn't become a version of what Princeton became when Machen left. So that's where I'm coming from. And John, I know I'm talking a lot here at the beginning, but if you'll allow me, I need to say something to you publicly. Sure. Um, I think back in the day, you and I could both be called sort of the early adopters on the dissident wing of the Southern Baptist Convention. You saw it more clearly than I did. I was this naive guy thinking, wow, we can fix this with uh, the channels they say to use and 
you know, they don't know what they're doing. This is, this is error. Somebody will correct them. And so when I saw what you were doing, I was skeptical. You know, we crossed paths a couple times and I think our interactions were friendly, but I certainly wasn't a supporter of what you're doing. And uh, it was, it was when Jim Hamilton went at you full ad hominem trying to destroy you that I thought, you know what? I should have thrown in with John a long time ago. And so, man, I'm sorry. You saw it more clearly than I did quicker than I did. And, uh, I wish I'd have been throwing wind in your sails earlier on. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Jeff. Uh, for those who are newer to the podcast and you don't know what Jeff is talking about, just very briefly, uh, Russell Fuller was a, a professor at Southern Seminary. He was fired. And it looks like, and according to Russell Fuller, this was for his conservative beliefs. I did some interviews with him. And when I released those, and, and really it was just supposed to be Russell Fuller giving his information, the response was, You had a bunch of guys from Southern Seminary, but led by one of the professors there, Jim Hamilton, attack me personally um, and try to paint me as a a racist. They they looked at things that I had written in the past uh, where I supported uh, the keeping of Confederate monuments and that kind of thing and and tried to paint me as a racist for that. But um, but but they didn't really ever address the issues. And so um, I just need to clarify that because I'm realizing that there's a lot of new listeners who aren't privy to to, they're waking up now. And and maybe I want to hear your thoughts on that, Jeff. There's a lot of people waking up, and, and this is the, the numbers game. There's also a lot of churches leaving, but there's there's also churches that are saying, "Hey, wait a minute! I didn't sign up to be the uh, to, to pay for these legal fees that are coming from the abuse victims who want to sue the Southern Baptist Convention." And so they weren't paying attention. Now they are. Um, what can you tell me about that? I mean, are you encouraged that there's more people waking up than leaving? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely encouraged that there's more people waking up. I'm not as encouraged by the uh, the leaving. I get it. Uh, it, it it's odd at my church. Uh, I've gone from the guy saying, man, we really need to have a skeptical eye on the SBC to now being the guy who's got his foot on the brake saying, let's not jump out just yet. So I think people are right to be concerned. I think they're right to say, I won't put my money into this. I also think churches need to be taking formal steps to try to distance themselves from the Southern Baptist Convention. If they're a participant, the Alliance Defending Freedom is somebody you should reach out to and start talking to them about that. Because one of the things the bad guy, the bad guys are trying to do is lie to the federal government who doesn't understand their polity. Almost no one understands their polity. Everybody assumes we're like the Roman Catholic Church or the Anglican Church. There's a top-down hierarchy that sort of controls everything down. We're incredibly unique, even as the largest Protestant denomination. So nobody understands our polity, not even all of our own participants, but not religion writers, not federal authorities. Well, you've got the bad guys in the SBC lying to them about our organization in a way that sounds very credible to them because they think of the Roman Catholic Church. So I think churches that either are staying or leaving— you need to be working through publishing documents and statements saying we are an autonomous church. We voluntarily participate in the SBC, but we are not governed by the Southern Baptist Convention. So that's a long way of saying I'm encouraged people are waking up. I wish there weren't so many leaving and I can make my pitch on that front here or maybe after we talk through some of those questions, but I, I, I can follow up. Yeah, there's a lot of questions and we won't probably be able to answer them all today, which is fine. But uh, I definitely do want you to make your pitch for staying in the convention. Um, you you mentioned something and, and I had a question now forgetting what it was because um, there, there's a lot there. Um, and I'm trying to man, I lost it. Oh, well, well, let me uh, run back through it real quick. Um, 
you know, we don't want to leave the bad guys with another Princeton. They're trying to lie about our polity. Right, which right, nobody right. Understands. Yeah. So, so the polity thing, I guess, is what I wanted to ask you briefly about, because you just mentioned um, that no one understands the polity. And that seems to be similar to what's happened in the United States, more broadly speaking. You, you go from this federal republic and then it, more power gets concentrated in the center. And um, and now the Constitution, in some ways, at least on questions of federalism, is a dead document. It just doesn't really matter anymore. And, and I hear people insist sometimes, conservatives, know we are a federal republic. Federal government can't tell you what to do. But yet the federal government is telling you what to do. And people are complying because if they don't, there's consequences. And I'm wondering if something similar on a smaller level is taking place here where it's like effectively you, you could go back to the founding documents and say, no, this is what the SBC is. But that is is changing. And, and, and there may be a point in the next few years where that's not what the SBC is. It, functionally speaking, I mean, maybe on paper, but uh, functionally speaking, when they're paying um, to, to, to defend against lawsuits uh, at local churches on the level, the national or international level. I mean, what, what do you think? Do you see that parallel? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm assuming uh, I've not listened to every one of your episodes. I've listened to a bunch of them, but I'm assuming y'all have talked about Caldwell's age of entitlement and how the Civil Rights Act displaced the Constitution. I think I've mentioned it before. I haven't like gone into depth, but yeah, yeah. I think that's a compelling case. I think he's documented it well. Same deal here. The bad guys, in order to protect themselves and their financial interests, are attempting to displace historic Baptist polity. And again, in a way that uh, increasingly secularist or uh, even Christian judges coming from more top-down organized uh, denominations are primed to embrace. Uh, religious uh, reporting is in the dumpster as much as any specific segment of journalism and legacy media right now. So those guys are going to buy it too. Um, that, I mean, I think one of the things we should be doing is praying for lawsuits like the McRaney case to right. um, to bolster what is historically and authentically true over and against the lies Ezel and the North American Mission Board, Russell Moore, when he was with the ERC, um, put in front of the federal government. Yeah, no, I totally agree. We've had McCraney on and um, his case is a little complicated, but go back to the episodes I did on that for those who are curious. Well, Jeff, this podcast is really aimed at those who are still in the SBC. And I do have some in my audience who are probably the, the more uh, conservative and the right side of the conservative wing. Uh, they're looking for hope. I think some of them might feel some hope after this last convention. Um, what can you make your pitch? What can you say to them to compel them to stay and, and prevent them from leaving? Yeah. Okay. So the SBC is the largest Protestant. It's not technically a denomination, but you know, that's the easiest way to talk about it. Uh, it's the largest Protestant organization of churches. Uh, we educate, you know, on the low end, we educate something like a third of all seminarians through our six seminaries, um, if you start screening for mainline denominations and start having this filter of like, are they actually Christians? That number goes up really high. I've heard some estimates as high as um, percentages that begin with a seven. So we educate a tremendous amount of people who go to serve local churches. Uh, we have a remarkable mechanism for doing not just theological education, but domestic missions. And uh, with mass immigration, not a not a fan, but as it's playing out, the Lord has brought the nations into um, our nation. 
And so we have a we have a really good mechanism for reaching domestic and internationals through our domestic missions board. And then our international missions board is probably the most effective that's ever been seen in history. Um, so that is worth fighting for. And, and let me say it in a way that I think your listeners may be particularly primed to hear. The Southern Baptist Convention, I think we're going to see uh, documentation increasingly filtering out. The Southern Baptist Convention was targeted for uh, dissolution and subversion, basically by Soros. And so what I would say to your listeners is, if it matters enough to the bad guys to try to take, it should matter enough to the good guys to try to keep. And so, you know, idealistically, and I, I you know, I wouldn't put the majority odds on this, but idealistically, we would take the thing back and we would recover it and it would be based and it would honor Christ and it would push healthy doctrine and ethics and it would be a thorn in the bad guy's side. And more importantly, it would be a useful resource to King Jesus. So that's the goal. Um, the, uh, the second version of this, though, is what I mentioned earlier with Princeton. So we probably all look up to Machen. We love old Princeton. Um, eventually, they said, you know, the, the, the Presbyterian said Machen had to go. Um, and he did. And he went and started Westminster. And he started the OPC. And Princeton became one of the top two or three institutions outside of the federal government in our society pumping toxicity and filth and sin and deception into the elites and society. And so if I could go back in time, I would tell Machen, Hey man, you got to have a two, two pronged plan. You've either got to recover this thing or you have to shut it down. And so going back to my point that the bad guys want it, we should care enough about the legacy of the Southern Baptist convention as a set of institutions to either recover the thing and make sure the bad guys don't get their, their want on that, or we should skillfully shut it down so that they don't have, uh, they don't have it a resource. I, I mean, I'm not the first one to say this. Maybe Aaron Wren was, but liberals can't build anything. They're fundamentally parasitic. So they can't build anything, but they can sure take something over and use it. And my prayer is that the Lord will allow us to recover the SBC. And if he doesn't, then in his judgment that he would grant those of us who want to honor him um, the secondary good or the secondary win. I'm just saying the thing shut down. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. No, I appreciate it, Jeff. Uh, I mean, Jeff, you're a sharp guy. You're, you're a pastor for those who are joining the stream. What's the name of your church? Midway. 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 Baptist. Okay. Midway Baptist Church in Tennessee. And, um, and, and you've been involved with the SBC in various ways and capacities. I saw Recently, there was an article stating you were on the board for the ERLC, and I had to ask you about that because I was like, "Are you?" Um, you were, I guess. Uh, and that uh, anyway. global is not filled with journalists. That's no. that's what's going on there. So that delighted no. me. I had a good laugh at that. I let them have it up there. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Baptist News Global has never been a journalism outlet uh, for as long as I've been uh, looking at their articles. Not that I do that often, but. Um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of questions that came to my mind, um, challenging ones that I want to ask you hard ones. Um, but I do want to go to some of the folks in chat. So I'm going to go to, um, there's someone uh, named anonymous layman who's been waiting the entire podcast. Um, so we don't know his name anonymous, uh, but he's going to, uh, I guess make a point or ask you a question. So, um, Mr. Anonymous layman, can you hear us? 
Hey, John. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Hey, man. Do well. Uh, thank, thanks for uh, for coming on the podcast and uh, congratulations. If you, if you didn't have a target on your forehead yet, now you do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, but you know, uh, any suffering here on this earth will be rewarded in heaven. So, um, quick, just a couple of questions. So, John, did you say um, that Jeff had worked with the Conservative Baptist Network? I'll let Jeff answer that. Yeah, so um, I'm primarily working with a group called SBC Underground. Um, uh-huh. We're part of the Servants and Heralds Network. We're friends with the CBN. Uh, we try to to kind of support what they're doing. They're a bigger. They're just frankly a bigger deal than we are. They're better resourced, and um, so I'm I'm a fan of theirs. Try to support what they can, but I don't get. Uh, I get invited to some of the meetings, but I I don't get invited as one of the leaders of the meetings. Okay. Well, um, well, I guess in general, then just thank you for the work that all you guys are doing on that front. Um, I actually agree with you that fighting to take over the SBC is worth it for some of the reasons you listed and some of the other reasons that have been put out there over the years. Um, and that the answer to this problem is, is lies somewhere in us coalescing like minds together. Uh, and not going totally independent churches all over. And even though I love John and I'm a big supporter of him, that might be somewhere where he and I disagree, but that's okay because uh, because John is probably a better representation of Jesus on earth than I could ever be. So um, I don't know about that. But still, um, well, you are in terms of nicety. I'm less nice than you are. Um, but so here's my question. Um, are we still under the assumption that if there was a if if there was a perfect long distance electronic voting no no issues uh with that and all of the collection of churches that made up the SBC um could vote through that that the voting would be would be substantially different than the way that the convention does John you mind if I run at that i mean no that's your yeah that's all for you jeff yep yeah so brother i still believe that yes um I am in deep Southern Baptist territory. I'm, I'm in the homeland areas, right? And um, every church I know, when I talk to them, if, they fi- if they're willing to find me credible, because one of the real challenges we face is low information among Southern Baptist churches. They're not on social media. Uh, not all of them are listening to shows like John's. And so they think the conservative resurgence was fought. Adrian Rogers and Al Mohler fixed it. And everything's good, man. Let's roll. And uh, they're they're busy doing the things that make society function. They're building families and churches and they're working every day. And so they're not tuned in the way we are. But if they will find me credible when I talk to them, you can just see this ghastly look of horror fall over their faces. It would be so much more feasible to get a small church like that. And most SBC churches are small. To get them involved in the process, if they could drive to their state capital, for instance, to participate. So I'm in Tennessee. If I could go to Nashville or even if I could go to Atlanta every year, those churches can feasibly say I can I can go participate in that when it's in Anaheim, even when it's in New Orleans for a lot of churches. uh, It's going to be in Utah in two years. Uh, That's just, you know, I'm asking to go to Mars. Basically, Uh, a lot of their their pastors are bivocational. They have to take vacation time. And I did that. I was bivocational. For a number of years, paid my own way to the convention, both state and national. Um, it's a it's a burden on your family. It's brutal, particularly when you want to use that vacation time with your family. Mm-hmm. So 
the thing I would say to you is the bad guys know that too. Now it's going to, you know, it's going to open it up for more bad guys to come for sure. But the bad guys fight the idea of ever doing remote uh, voting. They fight it tooth and claw. And it's because they know if we make that move, it's much harder for them to control. And, and look, I would support that just for the chance of increasing chaos and bogging the system down. These guys control the microphones. They control, uh, there, there's this huge amount of inertia that comes off the platform because there's so much goodwill uh, from the participants. It would be a win for us if we got remote voting just uh, just because it would help be a clog in the system. So ideally, what I think would, would be, you know, if I could snap my fingers and make it happen, is where all the cities that we keep in rotation for the annual meeting, so Nashville, Georgia, uh, Atlanta, New Orleans, Utah, Salt Lake, like I just said, those should be hubs. And you ought to be able to go to that hub, and the voting should be collected at that hub and then aggregated for the decision of the Southern Baptist Convention. But, brother, until we push these guys out, again, they know. they. Th- this is where you can read the the bad guys and go, oh, that's something that would cost them. That's why they hate it so bad. So I'm going to keep pushing for that. Tracking, tracking. And so I asked that not not because I, I think that a massive voting thing like that would be a good idea, but just, just to understand that we still feel like the pulse is that we're more conservative across the board than what the convention reflects. And so then that leads into my second question, which you sort of touched on some of these points that uh, essentially what are the most difficult aspects about getting conservatives to the convention? And if it's those issues of, of just there's, there are, it's, there's a lack of people who understand what has been going on over the last few years, as well as the distance issue. Um, You know, that was a problem we had three years ago still. So um, those things are still have been outstanding. So what is the what is the solution going forward to try to help address that? Because when I go to certain organizations and I won't mention them, but when I go to them and I ask like, hey, do you know of any uh, anybody that would like to go but doesn't have the financial support or something like that? Is there any you know, is anybody there need some help so that? qualified messengers uh, who otherwise would go, but there's some sort of issue there where somebody like me, a layman could maybe help them out, get them there. Um, You know, are there any plans around, you know, doing something differently than we've done in the last three years? Hey, with uh, that question, is it all right if um, I take you out of the chat anonymous layman? Because we do have other people that are waiting to come in. Was that your final question? Yes, sir, it was. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for, for calling in. I appreciate it. So, Jeff, what do you think? Man, we, we need laymen doing exactly what you described. And the challenge that you just brought up is the challenge that for three years the groups I'm in have been trying to think through. The original conservative resurgence mechanized and mobilized small churches. How do we do that now? You would think it would be easier in the age of mass media and social media, but it seems to be harder because we tend to, you know, if you're if you're strapped for cash, you think a tweet, uh, Facebook post, something like that's going to carry, and it just doesn't. It just does not uh, carry the kind of buy-in that uh, we're looking to see. And so there have been people who've talked to re- about mass mailings. There have been people who've talked about hiring an individual to just kind of go around to churches and say, we want to make a pitch to you about how we see the Southern Baptist Convention and how you can participate if you agree with us. Um, you know, it, it's hard for guys who preach every week, particularly multiple times, to take time to drive to another church and tell them 
Um, and so if I could kind of snap my fingers, we would have a budget to not just send people, although I think that's useful. Tom Buck has organized that. Uh, Jared Moore, my buddy, has organized that in years past. We're happy to help organize people who want to send money to send good people to the convention. And you may be aware that the North American Mission Board is using cooperative program funds to send their own people to vote uh, in their interest, which kind of breaks their polity. Um, so we want to do that, and I'm always happy to help facilitate that. But we also could use some help beating on doors at local churches, sending them direct kind of snail mail communication, um, getting open doors at local state, the I say local state newspapers. Uh, that would be helpful too. And those are the things we're kicking around because nobody has kind of found the magic bullet or the magic key to unlock that. And we're still looking. Yeah, this is a ground game question. I, yeah. I Some pastor reached out and I think it was a pastor said to me, look, I got more emails from Rick Warren than I did from the Conservative Baptist Network this year. Um, and, and that's I, I, the sense I get from a lot of people is like there there's not the organization for whatever reason to be able to um, let people know to get the information out there that, I mean, look, I didn't even know that there was a fund. Was, was there even a fund this year to get people to the convention? I hadn't heard of that. I, I, I hadn't I, heard about it this year. Yeah. No. I didn't think there was. So, um, that, that, those necessary mechanisms just aren't in place for some reason. And that, that would be, you would need that in order to then elect a president in order to get people on committees. And then once you stack all the committees and that's going to take it probably at least five years to a decade, then you can talk about maybe doing remote voting. I mean, that's how far away I think we are realistically from that. Would you agree? Yeah, it, it's we're a ways out. So the, yeah. you know, I think if you look at the the historical records, conservative estimates of how long it took the conservative resurgence to really get a win in a significant way was about ten years, and they had all the, they had the you know the the cultural support that came with a, a more robust cultural Christianity backing them. Um, they weren't fighting a group of people who knew that strategy and had sealed off the gates. Right. And so we're facing a much more uphill climb. And uh, I mean, you're right that more organization is needed. I think one of the things that's true for conservatives is that they kind of see it as creepy and gross to politically organize. And I think one of the reasons that the original conservative resurgence actually got some victories is that Paige Patterson was happy to say, this is what it takes. I'm going to do it and organized and the Lord blessed it and gave us a win. Now, I mean, I realize, you know, Paul Pressler has some issues or whatnot, but Paige has been vindicated. Uh, I thank God for Paige Patterson. And um, we need, we need more of that. And I actually think that there's probably some indication people are starting to, to wake up to that as well. It, the apparatus is just not in place yet, and we got to get there because we're fighting again uphill. Yeah. Um, Jeff, there, there's some there's folks in chat. Uh, I just want to acknowledge them um, that are asking questions. Well, I'll get I'll give you here's one. Uh, David CRT is stupid. Said Tom Buck says Paul explicitly links the mission of the church with maintaining sound doctrine in the church. Yet y'all sit uh, stay in and partner with the with terrible doctrine, wolves, goats, and hirelings. I want to get to this because i think this is the crux of the matter is the partnership question um before we do that so i'm just giving you you know mental note let's get there um i want to bring in um one of our uh callers here uh christopher cunningham he is uh just he's been chomping at the bit to uh ask some questions or make a point i guess hey christopher can you hear us yes sir i can how are you doing jeff what's up brother good to see you or i guess hey, here from I was 
I was wondering if you remembered me. Hey, oh, yeah, uh, dude. I saw you on the mics this year. <laughs> it was short. It was short. Um, so I uh, I noticed uh, – so last year our church quit giving entirely. We didn't give it nothing. Um, we gave uh, – we had some people that are in a nursing home. They, every year they give to the Lottie Moon. Like they designate it, you know. And so – that is what afforded us three messengers. And um, so, but other than that, we're not going to financially give to the co-op. Uh, but uh, a year ago, I was more inclined to just, hey, guys, we, we just got to pull out and leave. Um, this year, I noticed something. And, and, and it's what it, it, this is what it is. The ignorance among just your average like people are just ignorant of what's going on and what it will take. Um, I believe, uh, like when I saw everyone with the resounding no, kick out Rick Warren, like that's easy, right? Like they recognize that's bad. Let's put it out. But everything else, they're so easily tricked and they're, they're sheep, right? And, and like you, you see. Are nailing it. You are nailing it because the Rick Warren thing actually does kind of reveal what's left in the SBC. It was so obvious. Right. It's a reminder. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I, you know, John's last episode had a lot of credibility to it, but a lot of what happened there is that it was so obviously a liberalizing move that people were actually energized to fight it. And it kind of speaks to what's left in the SBC, but right. it's just so hard for them to see what JD Greer is doing is also what oh. Rick Warren is doing. Yes. And and this is what it will take. Uh, I know that. Um, so I, I started like a Facebook page, and I'm going. I uh, last year I spoke at uh, four or five different Baptist churches about what's going on. You know. God bless you. God and bless you. Um, and this is like I know what the magic bullet, the the solution. This is what it is. It's the same thing it was. We lost the magic bullet. <laughs> Christopher, oh no. Christopher, right that there. was like if, if you had the solution to all the problems and you were about to give. Oh, you're back. Okay, yeah. all right, good. So much I call it. <laughs> Great time. Right? Uh, it's the same did, thing. Did, it was did Ben Cole? <laughs> that's what I don't know. Ben Cole, but someone in in chats kept saying Ben Cole's cutting the mics. Uh, whoever Ben Cole is, but did, did he cut your uh, your your microphone off there? It, it uh, <laughs> it's a Bart it, Barber. Oh. Hey. <laughs> Chris, you're in Texas. So is Ben. What's oh, your back, man? No. What's your six? Hey, hey. Uh, what it's going to take is uh, it's going to take the the pastors to have a renewed burden for the for those that are ignorant. And I, and I don't say that in a mean way. To those that are fleeced, I guess, man. I I, I wish there, I'm not a very like brilliant man at speaking, but they're going to have to go. And, and with not a mean attitude, because these people, like, it's, it's like, if you look at when I got up to speak, man, everyone laughed, like, hey, who is this young man, you know? And, and you can go, it's going to take time, work, and, and realizing that we may not win. But I'm a fourth generation Southern Baptist pastor, and I'm not letting them just going to walk away. I'm not going to give to it, but I will at least be uh, willing to go there. And say, hey, this is wrong. And, you know, uh, missions, dignity. Man, they took care of my grandmother while she was in the nursing home. 
And like, brother, man, I, I, I just, I roll it over. the best reason to stay involved in the SBC. Honest to goodness, hey, it's the best reason. And uh, with what happened uh, uh, during my time at Swift, it's like, I believe what it's going to take is it's going to take men like you and I going to those. Uh, see, we could do the on, the virtual voting, but it, I think it would be actually devastating for us because people are still kind of, they're not going to know. And then let the liberals get a hold of that. Watch what they do. I mean, come on, let's be real. And so I think that it's going to take uh, – I've met a few guys that live around Indianapolis, and I'm planning on going there a couple days early, and I'm going to load up my church van, and next year I'm bringing the half-mile hailer with me. They can cut my microphone all they want, but I am going to be hurt. I love you, man. I love you. That's but great. I think it, it's, it is going to take – like if you hear this, like if if you're a pastor, or you're someone, you know, most people don't recognize bad doctrine in churches, let alone at the SBC. So I think that unfortunately, the like that's just how it is. But I think if we're like, hey, you know, we really need to be uh, fighting for, you know, like we need to stand up and make sure what the missionaries aren't being robbed. Your average. Your average messenger say, "Whoa, hold up! Messenger's being robbed." And say, "Yeah, let me," and and give them something that they can hold on to and read. Because here's the thing: the men in the convention are weak. If you win the hearts of the ladies, I'm telling you, that's that's going to be it. You have to reach the ladies. And unfortunately, in your average SBC church, most of the women are doing the work anyway. So go and. I can tell you right now, I have, I've got renewed hope and renewed vigor, and I don't care if I'm the last one to stand. I'm at least going to say what's right and wrong. Yeah, Christopher, thank you so much for that. Thank that's you, John. Uh, encouraging. Thank I you, know Jeff. To Jeff. Um, and you know, Jeff, uh, you're going to have to win the ladies. <laughs> you have to win the ladies. That's what I'm hearing. F females of both varieties, right? Um, that's exactly right. It, that that seems to be one of the problems is making the message palatable for the room. And this is, again, the, the difference in strategies in my mind. There's one strategy that says win the room. And I guess you could mix these two. But the other one says bring your friends. Right. And the bring your friends hasn't panned out. That's the ground game problem. The win the room thing has really been what I think C CBN and, and, and people who are conservative there have been trying to do. But I, I think Christopher just nailed it. You, you have to have. Uh, you have to win the ladies. You have to make an argument that's going to be emotionally compelling. And once you go down that road, we all know that that's a slide towards the left. They're brilliant at using emotional arguments and not even arguments sometimes, just melodrama to manipulate. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that's spot on. It sounds like you're agreeing with that. Yeah, there's a bunch from Chris there. I'd like to comment. If I can go back to David, who's comment popped up on screen before Chris started talking and dovetailed them. Um, you know, the idea of partnering, um, ask JD Greer, if I'm partnering with him, ask Bart Barber, if I'm partnering with him, see what the bad guys say about a nobody like me named Jeff Wright. Most of their shots are, are taken at founders ministries. Some are taken at CBN, uh, but both Todd Unzicker and Bart Barber used phrasing that I've helped make common to describe them. 
So David, uh, I think is a good guy. We have been Twitter friends and then not Twitter friends. Um, I'm not in partnership with them. What Chris said is right. A church should wisely give exactly the amount of money that authorizes them to send the precise number of messengers they want to send and no more. And they should aim that giving very precisely, which the Southern Baptist Convention can let you do. Um, I'm not interested in partnering with evil, but what Dave, uh, excuse me, what Christopher laid out there is what people should do. The problem he identified is also correct. We are an emotive convention when it comes to the annual meeting. And that's one of the things that I didn't calculate well early on. Um, forthright masculine disagreement tracks as mean spirited and unfraternal among both women who are there with their husbands on sort of a church funded quasi vacation and the effeminate men who have either been shaped by them or shaped to appeal to them. Right. I mean, so many man tears at this year's annual meeting. And so every time you get up and even say something like something that's very appropriate, I think our president is wrong on this issue that he's, you know, Bart Barber gets on Twitter and loses his mind all the time. You get up and say, ah, I think our moderator's a little biased here. Well, that tracks is just very angry. Um, so I do think we have a rhetorical approach that needs to be dialed in. You know, you just got to kind of change to do what's effective. Um, but to John's point, you are accommodating uh, unhealthy things. And so there has to be a sense of what kind of missionaries do. I want to be real clear about this. Uh, missionaries have to think about the culture they're trying to reach and faithfully speak to that, uh, that culture in the way that they're best prepared to receive, right? The gospel is an offense in and of itself. We, we try not to add additional offenses to the gospel. And I think people on my side of the equation are going to have to start thinking of the average annual meeting messenger as something like a missions target and say, how do we self-consciously maintain our identity, recognize what is and is not appropriate, but as far as we're able to appropriately do so, speak to them in a way that they can understand. Um, I'm not going to get up and cry, but um, I teach rhetoric. You have to consider your audience. You have to consider um, not just the Logos content, but you have to consider ethos and pathos. And so um, it's a tension, John. I don't think it's unworkable with integrity, but it is something we, again, we have to think about the annual meeting as a missions field. Uh, good thoughts, Jeff. We're going to go to Patrick in a moment. So Patrick, if you'd unmute mute your microphone, if you want to participate, um, I think there's two kind of issues here, Jeff. Uh, there's, uh, there's like the second Corinthians six issue. What partnership has light with darkness and, and, and people are looking at that saying, Hey, the leaders in these conventions and these entities, these, this isn't light, this is darkness. We shouldn't partner with them. Um, and then there's the issue of uh, just the, like Luke six being financially wise. And, and so that's a matter of prudence. And, and is this a wise use of funds? You, even though a lot of um, pastors are not sending what they would normally send to the convention, um, that's still a lot of time to go to the convention. There's a lot of expenses in, in that. And mm -hmm. so, you know, is this a, a wise investment if the purpose is for ministry? Because I, I think a lot of pastors didn't sign up to mi missionaries to the SBC. They, they signed up to do missions with the SPC 
sure. uh, helping to cooperate and fund that. So, um, so, so I guess this is one of the questions is um, when you have, when, and I don't know if you agree with me here, you can correct me if you don't think that this is the case, but when you have a situation where even forget about partnering with Danny Aiken and uh, JD Greer, I mean, you have to, as a conservative now, it seems like partner with nine marks ministries with Southern seminary, um, with, uh, I don't know, like TGC board members in order to do anything like they, they, they're going to have a share in your political victories. If there are any political victories. And then when that happens, the, the expectation is in politics, you reward those people. If, if it's Southern seminary that helped get you over the line, and if they're the drivers, and, and they were, I think uh, it was, you know, Al Moeller, Mike Law from Nine Marks. It was um, you had uh, Sanchez from TGC. Like those are the guys that drove the conservative gains. Um, not that you guys you didn't help. You did. But if, if those are the guys that the camera that are smiling for the cameras, then even if you got them over the line, they're going to expect that they have a seat at the table uh, at the very least, if not control of that table. So. How do you navigate that? Not just the partnership with blatantly obvious here, here are the liberals, but also, oh, no, or the corrupt individuals, I should say. But, oh, no, these guys, hey, they've been bad on me, too. They've been bad on CRT. But now because they agree with us on this one point, we can partner with them. I think that's a hard sell for many churches. So sorry, I've been ranting here, but no, no. if you could address it. Yeah, so it's a it's kind of a long answer. Just pre-warning. Um, but um, man, it just left my mind. The guy who wrote a secular age, the sort of sociologist philosopher Charles something, um, really really in vogue a couple of years ago, wrote a book called A Secular Age that I think really makes a compelling case that institutions matter. That institutions have to be in place to transmit values, and so you you have to have. I mean, you can have a populace that is right minded. But if you don't have institutions for those things to coalesce in and then hand off the next generations, uh, it's going to be lost. And you can see a version of that with the long march through the institutions. Uh, the communists have been running for quite some time. Um, what has happened with critical race theory? They know that, too. So I would go back to my earlier statement. We educate a lot of seminarians. We have really important apparatus, the kind of things that won't be that they won't be rebuilt in my grandchildren's lifetime, if they're lost, they matter to mission long-term. And so again, I'm, I'm going to say to that person who wants to partner on missions, you know, it's kind of the, the Frodo and uh, Gandalf thing, right? I wish I'd been born at a different time, but this is the time we're born into. Machen, I wish he had been alive when um, he didn't have to get ran out uh, of the existing Presbyterian structures, but he did what he could in that time. I think that's our calling too. And so um, I want to win this thing so I can just be happy to partner or I want to shut it down. And I also think I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit more. I do think it's time to build some alternative stuff as well. I'm, I'm part of a group building something called Credo Alliance. American Reformer is doing a good job um, developing uh, a kind of a platform for healthier uh, content. John, you're doing a good job. Alternative media uh, is doing those things. So that's very important. But we also have to to pay attention to the things that already exist and try to recover them, make use of them, and keep them out of the bad guy's hands. So again, I'm going to come back to what me and Christopher talked about. Don't partner with them. Don't financially partner with them. Figure out something like Mission Dignity that you can support. 
figure out the dollar amount that lets you get as many messengers as want to go make it awful for the liberals at the annual meeting and give that precise dollar amount and give everything else wherever you want to go. Um, that's, that's what I'm leading my church to do. Um, and then, you know, partner with, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reaching out to, um, Oh, there's a, a Baptist world mission. I think is Alec Kochman. I can't, I don't think I've got his organization name right. We want to replace North American mission board. So we're reaching out to them, do all that, but give 250 bucks or whatever it is to something you do support within the SBC umbrella. So you can go make life miserable for the bad guys. And, uh, I think that's part of, I think that's just part of where we're at in God's providence in this era of church history. Um, well, lots of stuff to talk about. We have to probably land the plane here soon, though. Josh Abatoy and I were chatting last night, actually. He wished he could be here. He had an, a conflict, yeah. but he seems pretty confident that um, he, people like him can either stay in the driver's seat if you you already have the driver's seat, or you can, um, uh, I guess, uh, take the driver's seat, so to speak. And so these, this coalition building is not going to be to the advantage of nine marks or Southern Seminary as much, perhaps, um, as it will be for guys like you. And, and I don't want to misrepresent him. Maybe he would change that. That's That was my understanding of what he was well, trying to get at. Um, so that, that seems to me to be something that would be absolutely necessary. You would have to see positive momentum and real conservatives, theological conservatives, uh, uncompromising kinds that are driving that change, like the first conservative resurgence, identifiable leaders. That, that would be, in my mind, a, a necessary thing or else... Uh, it's it's going to be what you just said. You're you're going to have to say this is done. We have to leave. So so what's the ending point? When when do you well, leave? And, and I I failed to answer that part of your question. So I'm sorry about that. So to the point about coalition building, um, I'm happy to work with a lot of different groups on particular issues. Right through through a local political party, I work with a Muslim to shut down an abortion mill. I'm not going to be ecumenical, but I will or, or a, a secular pro life person. I work with them to shut down an abortion mill. So non-Marxist is woke. Capitol Hill Baptist Church is probably the biggest exporter of woke leaders through their internship program. I want nothing to do with them. I used to be the biggest non-Marxist guy in the world. Don't want anything to do with them. But if they're going to come to the table and vote against egalitarianism, praise the Lord, man. I'm not aiming any fire that way on that issue. Let's just do that. But we have to, we just have to make use of them. And then where they balk, we discard them. Um, so, I'm with you. Now, here's where I'm going to register a minority opinion. Al Mohler was incredibly important to nine marks, probably, and to people like Denny Burke and some of those guys to kind of feel comfortable to come in and oppose Rick Warren. But I, I, you know, in an alternative universe, I wonder if Rick Warren hadn't been voted out even without Al Mohler. So the way that played out, Fern Creek's pastor got up and put in front of everybody what it was going to look like if we did not vote Rick Warren out. The optics were Rick, horrendous. I mean, well, for our cause, it was glorious. It was great, right? right yeah. Praise God. Right. But for her cause, terrible. Um, although I did appreciate her dig at, at pastors who shut down for COVID. Um, then Rick Warren gets up, and I've totally flipped on what I think Rick Warren was doing. I thought Rick Warren wanted to kind of become the commander of the SBC ship last year at Anaheim. And I think the liberals wanted to give him that platform to undercut conservatives in Anaheim. And they kind of released a monster they couldn't control. But uh, I told people after watching his speech, that was a Jerry Maguire speech. He, you know, Al Mohler, you suck. And you guys who don't like women suck. Who's coming with me? And I fully expect 
uh, Rick Warren to, you know, be calling for some kind of new denomination. That was not a speech calibrated to win people to his side. It was uh, in the sense of like, we're going to take the SBC in this direction. It was a speech calibrated to say, all these people suck and you should walk out with me. And so Rick Warren, I mean, he, he set up his own defeat. I'm thankful Al Mohler went to the table and spoke. I, I, I'm not trying to say that, but uh, you right. know, yeah. God only knows. I wonder if he, if the vote still wouldn't have went. And I think some uh, on the left are leaving. Dwight McKissick, I believe, is leaving, right? Which, well, he, uh, he threatens it all the time. But yeah, here's the true. thing with SBC. <laughs> it's the only place where Dwight is special in the sense of people really run to hear his opinion. Yeah, And so true. Beth Moore eventually left, but it was kind of the same deal for her. And Beth Moore is much more irrelevant now that she's not in the SBC. She has to kind of maintain relevancy by talking about the SBC. I fully expect Dwight to have to do the same thing. If he if he rolls out, uh, he's just one of many. But here in the SBC, people really feel a burden to cater to him. So I, I don't know that he's leaving. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And, and you just reminded me that's been the, this case for like four years at least, <laughs> where you yep. he threatens that. Um, okay, so uh, all right, so I guess Patrick, uh, I don't I don't think he's coming on the podcast. So I think that's about it. Um, I, I think you've laid out the issues well, Jeff. Uh, I think maybe the conclusion here would be if you are going to stay in the Southern Baptist Convention and try to do so in an uncompromising way, it means that you have to assess the giving and uh, make it the minimum. Um, it means that you have to be up for real war. So, you know, you can't come up with the assumption that you're there to partner uh, for ministry as much as you are there to take over the SBC so it can once again do ministry two different mindsets. Um, there's a difference between wartime leaders and peacetime leaders. And, uh, and, and I think that the third thing perhaps here is that th there needs to be some changes on the ground uh, pretty quick in order to um, make this even possible. So you need a ground game and you need identifiable, strong leaders who are willing to pull punches and then leave uh, if, if things uh, don't seem to turn around. I, I mean, I've, I, that that's my some <clears throat> excuse me my, my summation of what you've been saying. I've, I've of course people know listen to this podcast. I've been advocating leave the SBC for years, but I think it's helpful to hear what you have to say. And there are faithful pastors who are still fighting a good fight in there. And I'm thankful because at the very least, e even if um, you know you're not giving enough to really sustain the denomination and you're fighting, you're you're a witness. You're you're showing everyone in that room, hey, this is the truth. You guys are going in the wrong direction, and and there's that prophetic witness that Russell Moore always talks about, but doesn't ever give. So, um, anyway, uh, we have oh Tom Rush is in the stream. I'll just say Tom Rush says good word, gentlemen, and um, and one more thing. I, I know you have a point to make, but uh, someone paid for a comment. Forty-seven thousand SBC churches. Best guess as to what percentage have been contacted by good guys in a meaningful way. So I'd say less than 10%. I mean, yeah, that's what if I we had, think. I wish we had somebody we could pay just to do that, just to spend their day doing it. Cause guys like me, we're pastoring, we're raising families. We're trying to do other stuff too. Um, I'm not saying that means we shouldn't do it, but I just wish we had somebody to make that happen. Um, can I make a pitch real quick, John? And I'm so thankful for this chance to come on. Uh, brother, we won multiple battles at the SBC this year and we haven't for years, but we did lose the war. Uh, the battle was Rick Warren. The other battle was the Mike Law Amendment. The war that we lost was the Presidential High Council uh, Committee. And they, they, you know, the platform pulled out all stops to get it done. Mm -hmm. So, again, I'm, I don't have rose-colored glasses on, although it is encouraging to win a few. 
here's what I'd like to say to your audience. And, and I told John I wanted to come on. In part, one of my motivations was I want to tell you guys who listen to John, if you have any resonance with what I'm saying, or if you're in a church that you love and really care for, but your pastor is just low information, I want you to know I'm the guy that can put you in touch with people that you want to work with who will be an encouragement to you. And what I find when I'm at the mic and I'm talking to dissident voices at the microphone at the annual meeting, it's getting to the point. Now, I'm no spring chicken. I'm not also super old yet. But so many of the people at the microphone with the right perspective are young men who are seeing this clearly. They care enough to try to battle, to keep and and move the ball forward even. If you're a young man out there in particular who is looking for a place to exercise your energies faithful, faithfully in a way that's going to impact evangelicalism, you have brothers in the SBC, and I would love to facilitate you connecting with them. Uh, I'm on Twitter all the time, Merely J. Wright, uh, SBC Underground, um, Credo Alliance. Those are all groups that I'm working with to try to do some of this. And, and brothers, listen. If you, you know, this is going to sound grandiose to some of y'all, but there's a real sense, which is, is true. If you have un- ever wondered what it would be like to be in Robin Hood's band of merry men, kind of exercising guerrilla tactics against the sheriff of Nottingham, uh, it's going to take a particularly literary kind of guy to, to resonate with that the way I'm hoping it will. But if you ever wondered how that feels, you have brothers doing that in the SBC and it is deeply fun. We have a great time doing this stuff. And the Lord in his blessing, has provided us the most wonderful uh, group of enemies. You won't find a feminacy like that outside of a drag queen story hour. They are goofballs. Uh, They are just, I mean, it's just so easy to have a good time fighting these guys. And so let's, let's get together. Let's link arms. Either the Lord's going to give us the victory in uh, taking the thing or the Lord is going to profitably shut the thing down. But brothers, we, uh, we are fighting a group that we can, we can win against. And John, to your question, the the scenario that I think is less likely, but what I've been very clear with my, my church is, I'm staying in until they run me out. What I hope is that J.D. Greer and those guys, and I'm going to stay in at the bare minimum dollar amount, just to be clear. But I want them to come up with a mechanism whereby they have to get me out because I want them to feel like they are trapped in there with me until... Uh, they figure out a way to get me out of there. So I'm kind of hardcore that way. Uh, but man, it's fun. I, that, that's the last thing I tell you. We need guys to show up and help with the ground game. The abortion abolitionists in the SBC are top notch. You're going to want to work with those brothers. They're preaching at abortion mills and then come into the SBC and taking liberal scalps. Um, the brothers that I meet are good guys. They're great to hang out with. And man, we can actually put you to use pretty quickly in meaningful ways in the SBC. So if any of this resonates with you, man, let's talk. Hit me up on social media. So, so if you, uh, if what I'm hearing is correct, Jeff wants you to start the kickoff of White Boy Summer at the SBC <laughs> annual meeting with his band of merry men, where you're going to be based and have fun. Um, be based and have fun is exactly right. what we're doing right now. I, I snuck in the white boy summer for Noah Alvarenga, <laughs> who's often in the chat and, uh, he's like the, the, the primary advocate. Um, so Jeff, uh, man, um, where can people contact you? People are asking for links. What, what, what do they do? Okay. So again, I'm, I'm active all the time on Twitter at merely J Wright. Um, I, I'm involved with a bunch of good guys at a group called Servants and Heralds. We publish tweets, things like that. 
Um, part of that is SBC Underground, Southern Baptist Convention Underground. That's active on Twitter. And then I'm working with some good brothers to form um, an alternative organization called Credo Alliance that's focused on Credo, Credo Baptist theology, Christian education, political engagement. And so um, those would be the ways to, to reach out to me. Hit me up on Twitter, uh, follow SBC Underground, follow Credo Alliance, uh, send me a DM. And uh, man, I really think we can we can lock arms and have a good time doing some good work that will, you know, if the Lord is not returning, he may, but if the Lord doesn't return, you know, for the next several generations, our work in SBC will matter in some fashion in future yeah. generations. So let's get in. Okay. So check out Credo Alliance, uh, check out servants and heralds. Uh, you can find Jeff on social media, Facebook. What's your Twitter handle? Merely J Wright. Merely J Wright. And it's W R I G H T. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, I'm on Gab everywhere else. I lost this handle on most uh, on Twitter, but on most platforms, I'm at okay. Right Jeff. So, okay, all right, awesome. Uh, thank you, brother, for joining us. I appreciate it. Uh, God bless, and uh, I definitely hope you're right. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and the the good wins out in the end here, and I, we know ultimately that that will take place uh, when Christ. Comes well, thank out. you so much, John, and uh, do have Josh Abatoy on. He's one of the good guys that people should connect with, and. Uh, Man, just keep up the good work. I appreciate what you're doing. All right. God bless. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by Buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.